and welcome to Breaking the Curtain with me, Chrissy, and me, Joss. Don't forget to silence all phones. Or don't, it's a podcast. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Dearest listeners, it would appear that Barlow and Bear may have gone a bridge too far. Hmm. <laughs> In all seriousness, we've been following this drama over the past few days, as we know most of you listening have done as well. And it's a little bit confusing, so we thought we would make a little episode chatting about, well, what has gone down. Uh, so remember back in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was looking for something to do, especially us creative types. I mean, hello, we ourselves started a podcast and now we're nearly 20,000 listeners in just two years, which is like crazy to we can't believe it. Anyways, well, in the fall of 2020, songwriters, musicians, performers, and dancers began creating videos on the popular app TikTok, crafting what would become the viral Ratatouille the TikTok musical. Ratatouille managed to attract and cast a whole bunch of well-known performers to work on a virtual ticketed presentation of the musical with proceeds going towards benefiting the Actors Fund. Flash forward to December 25th, 2020, when Netflix released Bridgerton, a series based on the best-selling book series by Julia Quinn. Everybody was obsessing over Bridgerton, mm-hmm. so you can't entirely fault Barlow and Bear for being inspired by the show and crafting a song originally titled Daphne's Song based on the two main characters. The duo led with the idea of, what if Bridgerton was a musical? And it snowballed from there with new verses and songs being created until demos were released on their website before a completed 15-song album was released last fall with every song on the album written and performed by Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear themselves. They've done live performances in the past at LC Fest and the Kennedy Center's 50th anniversary, but the world truly took notice when the songwriting duo won a Grammy Award this past April beating out musical theater albums such as Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella and Girl from the North County, Country. Jesus. Girl from the North Country. People took to social media questioning how any of this project could be completely legal, with many arguments being made in the name of fan fiction rights. Flash forward a few months later when Barlow and Bear announced concerts to be held at the iconic Kennedy Center and a future performance set for the Royal Albert Hall in London. The duo performed to a sold-out audience at the Kennedy Center, where tickets ranged from up to $149, not including their VIP packages as well as Bridgerton-themed merchandise. Netflix filed a lawsuit in the days following the Kennedy Center concert, stating that, quote, Defendants Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear and their companies, Barlow and Bear, have taken valuable intellectual property from the Netflix original series Bridgerton to build an international brand for themselves. Bridgerton reflects the creative work and hard-earned success of hundreds of artists and Netflix employees. Netflix owns the exclusive right to create Bridgerton songs, musicals, or any other derivative works based on Bridgerton. Barlow and Bear cannot take that right made valuable by others' hard work, for themselves without permission. Yet, this is exactly what they have done. End quote. The lawsuit also goes on to add that despite Netflix's repeated objections, Barlow and Bear staged a massive for-profit stage show entitled The Unofficial Bridgerton Musical Album Live in Concert to a sold-out audience at the Kennedy Center, with tickets ranging up to $149 each and VIP packages. The live show featured over a dozen songs that cost 
copied verbatim dialogue, character traits and expression, and other dramatic elements from Bridgerton the series. It included dramatic portrayals of Bridgerton characters by Broadway actors, emoting through the performance of the songs that comprise the musical. Throughout the performance, Barlow and Bear misrepresented to the audience that they were using Netflix's Bridgerton trademark with permission, while Netflix vigorously mm. ejected. Netflix is currently touring its own immersive Bridgerton experience, which... We both attended and absolutely adored. You can listen to our updates episode from July, where we chatted all about it. It was really fun. So Netflix says that Barlow and Bear's work is in direct competition with their production. And this is true for the most part. But I also think to give the gals the benefit of the doubt, they're both such different events that I'm not really sure that they would be like complete head to head type of competition. I think people who love Bridgerton and lived in the DC area would go to both because they are so, so different. Yeah, they are very different. But again, at the same time, it's a niche corner of the market is like the musical theater Absolutely, people yeah. who love the album. And they mm-hmm. probably would have been some of the target audience for something like the immersive experience. I don't right. know. At the end of the day, as much as they're different, it's still legal hot water. Not to mention, I think the tickets for the Bridgerton event, at least here in Canada, were like, they ranged from 39 to $69, which is like pretty far off yeah. from $149 a ticket. Oof. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyways, here's the thing. Netflix informed the Council for Barlow and Bear that the live performances were not authorized and that such exploitation would constitute willful copyright and trademark infringement unless they negotiate a license which netflix was willing to do they offered the girls a license that would allow them to proceed with their scheduled live performances continue distributing their album and perform their bridgerton inspired songs live as part of larger programs going forward which sounds pretty much like a win in this situation well barlow and bear refused the offer Obviously, we don't know why, but I guess we could assume they girl-bossed a little too close to the sun in this situation. And before you yell at me for saying that, I want you to know that I am a massive fan of their work, and I've followed their projects since day one. I can understand that Netflix and their offer would probably take a portion. Rightfully so. And I assume Barlow and Bear felt a sort of ownership over what is their work. And yes, while they wrote the album, the initial property is not theirs. In actuality, they're pretty much stealing from two other women, Julia Quinn and Shonda Rhimes, while collecting pretty big profits because they sold out. Shonda Rhimes had this to say, quote, There is so much joy in seeing audiences fall in love with Bridgerton and watching the creative ways they express their fandom. What started as a fun celebration by Barlow and Bear on social media has turned into the blatant taking of intellectual property solely for Barlow and Bear's financial benefit. This property was created by Julia Quinn and brought to life on screen through the hard work of countless individuals. Just as Barlow and Bear would not allow others to appropriate their IP for profit, Netflix cannot stand by and allow Barlow and Bear to do the same with Bridgerton. Julia Quinn also commented, saying, quote, Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear are wildly talented. I was flattered and delighted when they began composing Bridgerton songs and sharing with other fans on TikTok. There is a difference, however, between composing on TikTok and recording and performing for commercial gain. 
I would hope that Barlow and Bear, who share my position as independent creative professionals, understand the need to protect other professionals' intellectual property, including the characters and stories I created in the Bridgerton novels over 20 years ago. End quote. I just think this is all really sad. It's sad all around because these girls are so, so talented. And what initially began as a sort of fan fiction grew so quickly. And, you know, that's the thing as well. We live in such a different we live in such different times where you can get famous on the Internet. We didn't have that in the early 2000s when people would like write fan fictions and sell hard copies online for a profit. And TikTok fame itself is so different from the world of YouTubers and Instagram influencers because the video content is so short that you instantly get a taste of what that person is selling or showcasing. You don't have to go through like a hundred photos on their Instagram or watch an entire channel of 30 minute videos to get a proper taste. It's, it's fast fame and... A lot of these content creators have no clue what they're getting into. When you post on these apps, especially original music, you're essentially marketing your work as a sale. And it worked for people like Charlie D'Amelio and her sister Dixie, who is now a recording artist. And now they have a reality show. And like, no offense, but for what? Our movements essentially in front of the camera? Like... Dunkin' Donuts even marketed a drink called the Charlie in her honor, which was literally just a caramel iced coffee. It shows you how well-marketed TikTok is within this generation. And I'm sure that Barlow and Bear, this all started super innocent. And they probably just really had no clue how this fast fame works through social media. I don't even know how it works. I don't get it, you know? Yeah, you know, I get kind of being thrown into a position where now you have like this work that um, you've created and that people love and then you're like hey like let's turn a profit off of it but here's the cold hard facts cold hard facts is Bridgerton is not yours it does not belong to you it's not something you created your music is something you created out of love for it so while like you know you created the melodies and the lyrics and everything those would not exist without the work of somebody else. And that's really important to acknowledge. Right. But, you know, the whole thing about this, I'm just surprised as to why Netflix did not um, step in sooner. Because here's the thing. On TikTok, I'm not quite sure how it works, but once you hit, like, a certain level of likes, comments, shares, or whatever, there's an app you can join like the creator fund or something but essentially eventually you can make money off of doing tiktoks um so you know i like to give people the benefit of the doubt we know this about me but ultimately it's like if i wrote a bridgerton fanfic fan fiction mm. and went to go sell it at the bookstore they right. wouldn't accept that because no. it's not mine it doesn't belong to me and those are the cold hard facts and I think that's something that should have been kind of realized long before this point. I, I so totally agree with you. And I think that what I read earlier was that Netflix originally, they were so supportive of this, which why not? It was pretty much just like, like you said, it was fan fiction. It was and it was free like advertising, free publicity for them, exactly for the show. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, 
we had just gotten off the roller coaster that is Ratatouille, the TikTok musical. I think they even had like billboards in Times Square and stuff. Like it was pretty massive for something that Disney wasn't involved in. Um, but the difference is their profit went to uh, the Actors Fund. So they didn't pocket anything. And I think that's the difference here is that they did something without Disney's involvement, without the, the copyright owner's involvement essentially. And while they put together a production of it virtually, they didn't take any money. And what money they sold these uh, exclusive like ticket things for, that just went to charity. Yeah, there's a huge, huge difference between that. And I think I was reading in an article where there was mention that Barlow and Bear had got permission from Netflix to perform their songs live yeah. at a charity concert because they weren't going to be putting any money in their pockets off of it. It was going to charity. Netflix was like, okay, cool. And then the whole Kennedy Center thing came around. And I don't know, you know, Barlow and Bear have not put out a statement or anything about this as of yet. Um, but here's the thing. I just don't understand kind of I don't want to come off as harsh in all this. No, um, no, for sure. But kind of bottom line is for me, how do you think you can sell out the Kennedy Center using work that belongs to other people? Right. Like the girls created those songs. I support that. Mm-hmm. But those songs are based off characters from the show, have exact lines of dialogue from the show, and tell the story of the first season, all things that they don't own, unfortunately. And I thought it was really interesting um, reading kind of the legal briefing. Um, Mm. It's all up on deadline, I think. You can read the entire thing. Yes, yeah. And I thought it was interesting that Netflix did say, hey, like, we'll license you. Like, they offered a licensing agreement. And, you know, I think actually there would be more financial gain in licensing Mm -hmm. and partnering with Netflix Mm -hmm. as much as it's sharing the process. Like if with the support of a huge company like Netflix, um, possibilities would kind of have been endless and it could have been kind of a win-win situation for both parties involved. I imagine they would have even turned like the name of the musical probably would have been like Netflix presents the Bridgerton musical rather than like the unofficial Bridgerton musical, because they would have essentially been making it something more official, I imagine. Yeah, but here... Okay, so here's my question. Right. My question is, where is the line? Where Mm. does the line come with this sort of copyright issue? You know, because we are, like they said, we are kind of... It is kind of approaching into, like, fan fiction territory. but. As far as I know, people aren't really selling fan fiction, are they? People used to, like, write fan fiction and then sell it on the internet as, like, in novel form. So, like, in a hardcover, in a hard copy book. Um, But, you know, this isn't the first time this has been done. There's so many of these, like, unauthorized parody musicals that have been around for years, for years. I mean, there's... A Walk to Remember, Cruel Intention started out as one, Scream the Musical. Um, there was a Carrie the Musical that was like unofficial. But do you think maybe if it's a parody, I did read somewhere in like my 
right. copyright copyright licensing research that if it's mm-hmm. a parody an unofficial right. parody then you're then free from fine. copyright because you're not yeah. taking you're not taking the viewpoints and characters of the original production like you're not it's going to be it's going to be a different story if you're making fun of it if that right. makes sense and I um, think that's kind of like I believe that's what um oh my goodness the Hollywood um you know where Cruel Intentions originally started out I believe they called all of their film and television based shows parody so like it was emer- originally like the Cruel Inten- uh, Cruel Intentions the parody musical or Scream, the parody musical. And I think that's how they were allowed to sell tickets. I really don't know. I'm talking out of my memory of this from years ago. Um, who knows if maybe they did contact someone for the rights. And they also used a bunch of songs from 90s hits and like today's artists. So it's just, I guess it's just the time, how the times are that Barlow and Bear won like a Grammy as well. Uh, which I don't think anyone has ever really seen done before with like a parody music. Uh, sorry, an unofficial musical, right? Yeah, I think this one just grew so big beyond what it started out as, and that is a sign of the times. That's how the times are right now. People are crafting things online, and they're blowing up massively more than ever. Yeah, and I guess. This can serve as a cautionary tale to artists on TikTok. You Absolutely. Know? If you're creating something and you want to put it on TikTok and it's based slightly off of something else, like take a look at copyright stuff. Take a look at how copyright stuff applies to TikTok and go from there because those girls must be crushed, all things considered. Oh, absolutely. And I think... As much as Netflix did step in early on with offering, you know, licensing and stuff, if they had shut down the project earlier, you know, that probably would have been easier on everybody, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I also think it's kind of a little, mm, this is the only place where I'm kind of maybe disagreeing with Netflix just a little bit. I Mm. think it's kind of shady that they're launching the lawsuit and going public after Barlow and Bear made a crap ton of money at after selling out the Kennedy Center? Well, I think they had warned them. Yeah, I think, I think they warned them. Yeah. Like, don't, don't do the Kennedy Center. And then yeah, happened. like, don't do this. Don't do that. We will But also, like I said, together. That's a crap ton of money. Like, it of is course a Netflix crap ton is going to get money. involved and say, don't do this. And of course, these two young girls, they're like, what, 20 and 23? In their mind, it's probably like, hey, these are our songs. I can understand that. But at the end of the day, it's not their initial property that they ha- it's not like they created the characters. So it's a sticky situation, but I can understand the potential mindset that they possibly had. I don't know. Absolutely. And you know, Again, I think I mentioned this earlier. We have one side of the story because Barlow and Bear have not released an official statement, which I'm not going to lie, kind of doesn't look great on that on their part. But here's the thing. I think we can honestly say that we are not trying to discount the hard work of Barlow and Bear in any mm. way while we're speaking about this. But at the end of the day, you know, it was it wasn't your intellectual property to be making a profit off. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. 
And I just, I don't understand kind of the mind, like personally, I can't understand the mindset. I would have been like writing the songs on TikTok, terrified Netflix was going to call me and be like, don't do that. I'm like, I would have been so Um, scared. (laughs) I don't really have much else to say on it. I'll be really interested to see how this comes forward. But I think, you know, when you have an independent independent artists against a corporation like Netflix, Netflix is going to ultimately uh, likely win the lawsuit. Yeah. I really do feel for these girls because they're so young and so talented. And this must be really scary for them to be going through something that they just literally got thrown into. I mean, like I said, I would not be prepared for anything that comes along with fast fame like that you know there's no handbook per se and and their people that they have like their um team should have been guiding them better they should have been like hey you know what this is probably the best idea to sign with netflix because you get basically your live performances that you wanted that you've worked so hard for and now it's put a bad, you know, taste in everyone's mouth when it comes to the the Bridgerton, the unofficial Bridgerton musical. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how this is going to proceed. I'm looking yeah. forward to a statement from Barlow and Bear at some point. Yeah. Um and yeah, we will be watching and waiting uh like the rest of you mm. this, as this moves forward. Well, when we hear more and if it's like big, I suppose we'll make a part 2. Yeah, we can always update y'all, but uh, we'll see how it we'll see how it starts to pan out for sure. I know I'm thinking of those girls because, like I said, this must be like awful for them and scary. And then I also really do feel so much for uh, Julia Quinn, who wrote it, and it's her work and her property being stolen, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and she wrote the first of these books, what, like 20 years ago? These are books from the 90s. Yeah. But she's wrote like 10 of them. You know, this is that's work that has been going on for years and years and years before Netflix even came on the scene. Then Netflix got the rights from Julia Quinn and created this TV series, Mm. which of course is going to have some changes, but it's essentially the same story, same characters, all that sort of stuff. and. Like the legal briefing says, thousands of people were involved of making Bridgerton happen as a TV show. So it doesn't yeah. just it doesn't just come down to Julia Quinn and Shonda Rhimes and Netflix. It is all the people who put in the work. Um, and I'm not just talking actors. about actors. I'm talking about tech, screenwriters, um, costume design. People have put in countless hours on creating something than to have it kind of piggybacked by someone else. Yeah, I don't really think that's okay. I agree. It's shitty all around. And like we said, we will update you once there is more. As always, I'm Chris. I'm Jocelyn. Uh, We will see you soon for hopefully a more lighthearted episode. Yeah. Hopefully Um, something good comes out of this for everyone involved. But I don't think it will. Thank you and good night. That doesn't sound promising. Okay. (laughs) Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you really soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.